Matthew chapter 16. <laughs> Beginning from verse 21, and I'm just continuing on the message from previous weeks, talking on the power of brokenness, the blessings of brokenness. And I thank all of you who were able to participate in this last week's meeting with Dr. McHamby. Thank you so much for your labor of love, all of you that served so well to host the meeting. Uh, thank you so much for coming. And to those of you that participated, I really do appreciate you being there. But th those of you that were there will recognize that he said so many things in confirmation of what God has been saying here in the last couple of weeks. I mean, it's just amazing for me to sit back and without any prior conversation, hear the same things over and never up till and including the example of Peter that we just dealt with last week. It's, it's unbelievable. The betrayer, the denier, and how God in a few days after that denial will appoint him to be the head of the church to launch the church on the day of Pentecost. Unbelievable. So I'm saying that in saying, please don't, don't miss these meetings. We don't always have Dr. McCambie with us. This guy, as key you not, is at least 25 years ahead of the mainstream grace message. That's my estimation. It may be more than that. Some of the things he's saying to us are unlawful to share in public. Because public is not ready for it yet. Nevertheless, being, wait a minute. David? Is this David? David Roberts? Bring them up here. Candy. Oh my gosh. All my brothers are here. Now, you did not tell me you were going to stay over. Surprise. I, surprise. surprise. <laughs> we're, we're working with Sam to get the video files. And, ah. Yeah. Most welcome. I love you, brother. I love you, too. Love Good you. to see you. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. No, that's all right. They were, we are home. This is family. Thank you. Amen. And so they were also part of the meeting. But anyway, as I was saying, those times of coming together are so precious, and I'm just encouraging you, the next time you come around, don't miss it. Matthew chapter 16. The blessings of brokenness. Okay. Over the past few weeks, we've been talking about how God wants for me and you to be broken. And it's in our brokenness that will become useful to the kingdom of God because we live in a broken world among broken relationships, broken governments, broken institutions. Everything around us is broken. So if we are going to be able to relate to the world around us and be relevant, we need to also be broken so that we have a connectivity with the world around us. And that our being broken is not to destroy us. That's important you understand that. God is not breaking you and I to destroy. No. But rather through our brokenness, that the power and the excellency of God may be manifest in us so that we can diffuse the fragrance of the knowledge of who God is. There is no way we can ever enjoy a perfume or a cologne that's just bottled up. 
That fragrance is just bottled. You will never be able to enjoy the fragrance as long as it's bottled. Amen? Amen. So there is a need for us to understand all of this. And so now let me just go and try to close this message. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, Jesus is having a discussion with his disciples. Then Jesus made it clear to his disciples that it was now necessary for him to go to Jerusalem. Submit to an ordeal of suffering. Say submit. submit. Say submit. submit. You see, Jesus was about to be crucified. Who likes to be crucified? Can, can I see your hands? Those of you that like to die. Nobody does. Nobody does. I don't. You don't. Which is good news. Which is good because if you do enjoy that, then there's something sadistic about you. <laughs> but we don't enjoy that. However, it's something that Jesus had to submit to. Because unless he submitted to that, he will never become king of kings and lord of lords. He will remain a good prophet, a good teacher, a miracle worker, and all of those things. But if it's to get to that next level, that exaltation that God had for him, they of necessity, even him, must be broken. And so the Bible says, submit to an ordeal of suffering at the hands of the religious leaders. Be killed. In case you are wondering what's this submission about, it makes it plain. Be killed. Say be killed. Be killed. That's talking to your flesh. You cannot rehabilitate your flesh. You cannot take your flesh through a rehabilitation. No. There is only one thing the flesh understands. Death. Be killed and then on the third day be raised up alive. Go on please. Peter took him in hand protesting. Impossible. Master. That can never be. But Jesus didn't swerve. Peter get out of my way Satan. Get lost. You have no idea how God works. And that's the message this morning. We just have no idea how God works. God has a process for everything. Like McDonald's has a process for making hamburgers. Starbucks has a process for making the best coffee in the world. And so forth and so on. And the Starbucks people are saying amen. I'm hearing them. Hallelujah. God bless you. Amen. <laughs> even as Starbucks and McDonald's have their processes, even so God has his own process. He has a way of always bringing you and I to that next dimension. How God works. The Bible says in Psalms 107 about Moses, the Israelites knew the acts of God, but Moses knew his ways. The Israelites were content to just see the manifestations. But they do not know what produced the manifestations. So Jesus is saying to Peter, Peter, you don't get it. A few verses ahead, or rather a few verses before, you nailed it. Thou, the Christ, the son of the living God. And now I'm telling you what's going to happen to me. You're protesting. You don't get it. You don't understand it. Now, go with me to uh, John 19. 
John chapter 19. In the New King James Version on this one now. John 19. In verse 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. We can just stop right there. At the cross, Mary the mother of Jesus was there. Please picture this in your mind. Could you have convinced Mary that his son on the cross was something good? What will it take to tell Mary that this thing, what you are looking at, Jesus, your son, hanging on this wooden cross, that this is the best thing the world has ever seen? What will it take? How could anyone convince her that her own son is hanging on the cross innocent and yet that this is the remedy for the whole world? You see, because when you get on your cross of human disappointments, your cross where your profit and loss, where your books are not being balanced, when you just lost your job, when sickness knocks on your body, when your friends betray you, when the institutions you've trusted has totally, completely collapsed, when those things are happening in your life, when you are carrying that cross like Mary, could you ever think that something good can happen out of that? Nobody could convince Mary that your son going to the cross could be the solution to the problems of the world. But if she tarried and hang on for 50 days later, actually a few days, three, just three days, what looked like an eternal doom in that moment of time as she stands at the cross looking at her son being hung in just three short days, her weeping that's endured for a moment is about to be turned around for joy, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Is about to be released. Yeah. Hallelujah! Just three days. How long have you been waiting? How long have you been seeking God? How long have you been saying, God, when will you turn around my captivity? Because your three days will come. You know when we read that passage in John 19.25, three Marys were mentioned. Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene, and Mary, the wife of Clopas. The, we can call that the company of Marys. <laughs> they were at the cross. But do you know what, which Mary was missing? There was yet one Mary that we know about in the scripture that was conspicuously absent from this scenario. If you read about that in Luke chapter 10 verse 39, the Bible says, this Mary of Bethany 
just sat at his feet. And Jesus said, she has that needful thing. Having sat at the feet of Jesus, she is not moved by the circumstances of that Good Friday. She did not have to go to that cross and wonder, is it going to happen? And she did not have to rush to the tomb to see if he's going to get up. Why? Because she already paid the price and sat at his feet. She understood the ways of God. She knew exactly what God was doing and therefore she was at peace. And that's where God wants to get you and I. He wants you and I to get to that place where we understand how he's thinking, the processes of God, and therefore not be moved by the things all around us. Mary of Bethany was not moved because she knew there is the resurrection and the life. And that you can never kill God. He can only lay his life down. And when he gets ready, he picks it up again. Hallelujah. Let's just go on in this message this morning by looking at one other example and then we're going to close and go home. And for today, let us introduce ourselves to David, the beloved one of God. The most broken human being in the entire Old Testament. Not only was he broken, even as we go into the book of Acts, God had to point back at him and testify concerning this young man, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart who will do all of my will. Don't forget his resume that at a very tender age in 1 Samuel chapter 16, Samuel came with his anointing oil to anoint a king out of the sons of Jesse. And of those, of those eight boys, one by one, they lined and went across, came in the presence of the prophet. And God denied every last one of them until David came forth. Now, why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because you need to understand that from the very beginning, David was called and anointed to be king. Remember how we started three Sundays ago? Romans chapter 8. That the Holy Spirit is praying for you and I, what? According to what? the will of God. It's not just praying for us, but it's praying for us according to the will of God. Whatever the will of God for your life, whatever the purpose of God in your life is, that is what the Holy Spirit in heaven is praying about. It's important. You and I should not be praying divergent prayers from what God has for us. That was Jacob's problem. He wanted Rachel, God wanted Leah. So what I'm saying to us is, from day one, David was brought into the picture because God was anointing him to be king. Now, let's read in Psalm 78 about David. Psalm 78. Thank you, Jesus. Psalm 78. Verse 70. Thank you. He also chose David, his servant, 
and took him from the sheepfolds. From following the ewes that had young, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. So the question is, how did David go from verse 17 to verse 72? How did he go from being called from among the sheepfolds until he was established as a king and was able to lead with integrity and skillfulness of hand? How in the world did it happen? Now, before I share that with you, let me just, let me just go back a little bit, talking about how God works. Because I think it's important for us to see that. In Luke chapter 22. Luke 22. How God works. And if you understand this process, you can, move, you can use this process for every situation in your life and the result will be the same. It will be the same. It's like an equation. One plus one is what? You see that? You don't have to be a PhD degree to know that. One plus one is two today in 2017. One plus one is going to be two in 2019. One plus one is two is going to be two. so in 2020. It's not going to change. It's just that simple. It will not change. So in the same way, if you and I know how God works, we'll be able to work the works of God. Luke 22. In verse What verse am I looking for? Verse 19. Look at what it says. And he took bread. What did he do with, what did he do with the bread he took? He gave thanks. What did he do with the bread that he took and gave thanks for? He broke it. And after giving it, what did he do? He gave it. That is the simple process that God employs every time. <laughs> okay, let's go through it again. I'll explain it. Verse 19 again. Number one, he took bread. Number two, he gave thanks for the bread he took. Number three, he broke the bread. And number four, he gave it. Paul comes back and tells me and you, that we be many are what? One bread. One bread. So God is always going to take me and you. He's going to always bless us. The Bible says he's blessed you and I with all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. He takes you. He blesses you. Now, his goal is to give you out. He wants to give you out to the world but he can't give you up in this condition he's taking you he's blessed you his goal is to what give you out but before you can be given out you have to be broken in a way that the people that will receive you can receive it Amen. it's a God formula ah pastor you strike okay look 24 in the mouth of two or three witnesses let there be the establishment of the word of God. Luke 24. 
Watch this. Verse 28. Then they drew near to the village where they were going. And he indicated that they would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now, up to this point, these guys did not know who Jesus was. If you read this in this passage, the Bible tells us they were constrained from knowing him. Now, they are talking to him. They are walking with him. And yet, they did not know him. Does that not sound like many of us? We have the right religious lingo. Oh, bless the Lord. Hey, hallelujah. I'm blessed. I'm saved. God is good. God is faithful. We have, we, we know the right things to say. And we're saying those things about someone we really are not acquainted with. Like this man. They were walking with him. And yet they did not know him. The Bible said that. They were constrained from knowing him. Okay? Now, in verse 30, now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them. What did he do? He took bread. He blessed the bread. And he broke the bread. And then he gave it to them. Ah! Look at what happened. Verse 31. Then, then, that is a very important word. That word then means referring to the previous statement. Then, as a result of what he just did, then, we are told, their eyes were opened and they knew him. Isn't that where we are going? Isn't that what John 17 is all about? That we may, uh, that this is now, this is life eternal, that we may get to what? Know him. Isn't that the, the sum total of our life quest that we want to know him? And the issue here is you cannot know him as he is unless you have incremental breakings in your life that brings you to a new dimension of revelation in him. Yes. Yes. These men were walking with Jesus physically, literally, and yet they did not know him. Until he took bread, blessed the bread, broke the bread and gave it to them. Then we are told their eyes were opened. When will my eyes and yours open? We are one breaking away from another revelation of who God is. Every one of us can use a new dimension of his revelation. A new experience. In other words, this is what happens. In other words, this, 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 this is what the scripture said. Let's break it down. Let's make it real. Every time something happens to you, every time you and I submit to a breaking, and remember last week we defined what that is. Breaking is winning, W-E-A-N-I-N-G, winning us away from the flesh life. Winning you away from the flesh life the way a baby or an infant is weaned from breastfeeding. That's what breakingness does. Because in self-life, we can never accomplish God's purpose. So every time God wins me away, I come out on the other side of that breaking with a new revelation of God. I come out on the other side of that experience knowing God differently from the way I used to know him before it happened. 
Listen, if you've ever been in a position where your rent is due and you did not have the money and somehow, somehow, the way they said, God delivered you from that situation and the rent was paid. You do not need a Bible to tell you that God is faithful. Why? Because you know it, you know it, you know it. It has become experiential knowledge. You are in agony, waiting, believing and trusting that someone will deliver you. But when that deliverance comes, nobody has to tell you that God is a good God. Go tell that to the blind man in John chapter 9. They said, man, who opened your eyes? Say, listen, you guys can debate all you want. All I know, I was once blind and now I can see. <laughs> all the debate, all the theology, all the, all the argument, the controversy is up to you guys. But for me, I was once blind, but now I see. That's all I want to know. So what I'm saying to you is, when God takes you through, through a breaking, you come out with a new experience and you like the man in John chapter 9 can say listen I was once in darkness but now I am light I was once blind now I can see no one will ever be able to take that experience away from you and so now when you are sharing a testimony you are not talking to your friend at work about something you read in the book no you are not saying something that Dr. Hamby preached. No. You are saying to them, Charles, let me tell you what happened. I know that I know. Why? Because I've been there. I know what it took to look for money and I could not pay my rent. But my God, whose name is Jehovah Jireh, the almighty God, the one that's my provider, he supplied my need. And I can tell you, if he did it for me, he will do it for you. Now, your brokenness has gone to another level. And you're knowing who God is. There can't be no resurrection unless there's a death. Everybody wants the resurrection power. How is it going to happen? If you don't go in the grave first. So David, now we know how it works. We know how God works. So David was called from the ship of And then we know finally he became king in Israel who led with integrity of heart and with skillfulness. So how did God take him from being called to ruling and reigning? He had to simply go through series of breakings. That's what it is. All the adventure of a time in the wilderness were part of his training. That was a divine curriculum that was needful if it was to reign with integrity of heart and with skillfulness. The challenge with you and I is because we don't know the process of God. We don't know how God works. We curse the wilderness times rather than embrace it and receive the grace in that wilderness experience so that our wilderness will be turned to a blessing not just for us but for the world at large. You know the story of David. First thing he had to learn was how not to be a Saul. You are going to be king, David. But if you're going to be king from my heart, I am going to have to send you to the school of Saul. Close in, 
on the job training because you need to know everything about Saul. So when you become king, you are not like him. And so when we read about David running away in the wilderness and having the opportunity to kill Saul and each time he refrained from doing so. How many of us will do that? Where God will deliver your enemy into your hand. Enemy as in somebody who really wants you dead. And you are not going to kill the person? But because David recognized hallelujah that if you took God to call him he has to take God to position him. He will not promote himself apart from promotion that comes from God. And therefore, he will not do anything in his own flesh or arm to bring himself to that position. He didn't do it. He didn't do it. He didn't do it. Integrity of heart. What does integrity mean? The word integrity. What does it mean? It means my action is consistent with what I believe. Please, I don't want to say it, but I must say it. Many of us lack integrity. I'm sorry. We say things. For instance, if I, if I ask you this morning, raise up your hand if you believe God. All our hands will be off. Everybody's hand will go up. I believe God. But if I ask you, do you honor God in your giving? Ah, oh, wait a minute. Pastor. Pastor, I mean, that's, I mean, uh, I don't believe like that. That's, that's a problem. That's not integrity. Integrity means this is what I believe, this is what I live. And so for David, for God to testify that he had integrity of heart, he recognized that God called me, God will not only ordain me, but God will put me there. And therefore, he did nothing to make it happen. Integrity. Integrity. Me and you will scheme at work to make sure that next person don't get the promotion. I mean, we're going to give reports that will destroy the person because if they disqualify them, maybe we will get it. And they will say, we come to church and testify. Hallelujah. God is so good. <laughs> God is a good God. You all, you all just don't know. Oh, God is a good God. God just promoted me. But you did not tell us how many people you destroyed on the way. God don't need your help to do that. He doesn't. God taught him integrity. He had skillfulness through the, one, through the battles and the wars he fought. So when he became king, he can rule as God will rule. But it did not come easy. He had to trust God. And so we read in Psalms 31 verse 12. Psalms 31 verse 12. Psalms 31 verse 12. Thank you. Look at what it says. This is David. I'm forgotten like a dead man. Out of my mind, or rather out of mind, I'm like a broken vessel. You see, when you're going through this, and there are times when you waver. You wonder, God, is this really real? That's one of those times for David. 
None of them, whether it's Abraham, Moses, David, Isaac, none of them were consistent. I mean, they had moments when everyone says, wow, is this thing for real? But if you keep on reading on, you see how they quickly come back and say, yes, God is real. They never stayed here. But I'm showing you this so you can see that even David, even David, that God will come back and tell us that is operating out of integrity and skillfulness. There were times when he said, I'm like a broken vessel. In other words, man, I don't think I can ever be useful again. I don't know what's, who's speaking to you this morning. I don't know what you've been listening to. I don't know who's been telling you that you're no good, you will not succeed, you're not going anywhere. It is a lie. Absolutely. It is a lie. God never made failures. You were created in Christ Jesus from before the foundation of the world. The Bible says you are his workmanship created in him unto good works. That's what it's after. It's after you display the good works that he created you for. And therefore, he will accompany, he will do all kinds of things to make you, to get you to come to, come to that place. Let me close with one last scripture. Jeremiah chapter 48. So did David reign? Wow, I just asked a question. I said, did David reign? Yes. Now, why did it take two times before you guys will answer? <laughs> now, look at this man here. This man just said something. I don't want to, I don't want to qualify what he said. He said he did not hear. You did not hear what I, let me shut in your ears. Did David reign? Yes. He, st he still did not answer. So hearing is not his problem. <laughs> So what I'm saying to us is with all the chasing that Saul was chasing David all through the wilderness. If we were to ask David, David when he was in the caves, the cave of Adullam, what happened to this you anointing, David? We were there when they put oil on your head. Do you look like a king? He can decide to define himself by the wilderness and get stuck there. But God never defines us by our present circumstance. He defines us by the future he alone has already secured for us. Always. And so we should remind ourselves of our future. A glorious one in Christ Jesus that is. Jeremiah chapter 48 verse 11. Verse 11. Moab has been at ease from his youth. He has settled on his dregs. And has, been, and has not been emptied from vessel to vessel. Nor has he gone into captivity. Therefore, his taste remained in him and his scent has not changed. Did you see that verse of scripture? His scent has not changed. In other words, his fragrance has not changed. He still smells like an old man. And God wants you to diffuse forth the fragrance of his knowledge. But he's still smelling like, like an old man. Why? Why is he smelling like an old man? Because he's at ease. He's not been emptied from vessel to vessel. You know how they make wine? When they make those wines, they let it settle and then they drain it again. And again, take all the dregs that are at the bottom, the sediments that are at the bottom of the, of the, of the, of the, of the wine uh, keg or a bottle. Is totally completely gone. Mob was never done. Mob just remains the same way. 
Oh my gosh. Folks, those that know you five years ago, six months ago, are they seeing any difference in your life? Has anything changed? From six months ago, a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, are you still the same old person? If you are, there is a problem. Because we should be changed as like he is on a daily basis. Because when we behold his image, the expectation is he changes us. Husbands, if you are still the same old tyrant in your household that you were five years ago, three years ago, a year ago, the same loud mouth, the same obscenity, the same anger, your fuse is still blown. Every single irritation, you blow your fuse. I'm sorry. Something is wrong. It should not be acceptable. And the same thing goes for our wives or young maidens. How can we remain the same and claim to know him? No, something's wrong. We should be constantly changing by his glory and by his goodness through the revelation of his word and the power of his spirit. Constantly. Constantly. Let's just bow our heads. Now, if you're here, And you say, Pastor, I'm struggling with change. I'm struggling. I'm struggling. I'm struggling with change. I'm struggling with submitting to the dealings of God in my life. May I submit to you that it's first and foremost a love issue. His love has not been perfected in your life. If that is you, why can't we just, can, we, can you just come to the front and let's just 